then uh, I want to turn over to uh, Psalms. I give you there, Miss Shannon. <laughs> yeah, Psalms 92. Let's read Psalms 92. All right. It says, It's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. He said, on an instrument of ten strings, and on the lute, and on the harp, with harmonious sound, for you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will triumph in thy works of your hands. O Lord, how great are your works. Your thoughts are very deep. A senseless man does not know, nor does a fool understand this. When the wicked spring up like grass, and when all the works of iniquity flourish, it is that he may be destroyed forever. Have you ever had those days whenever senseless fools just spring up in your life? <laughs> I knew I'd get an amen right there. Uh, but he said, even in the midst of that, your works are going to flourish in our life. And then he goes on, but you, Lord, are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All the works of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn you have exalted like the horn of a wild ox or King James, the horn of a unicorn, and I have been anointed with fresh oil. My eyes also has seen my desire on my enemies, my ears hear my desire on the wicked who rose up against me. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall uh, still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Hallelujah. How many recognize there was a shift when he got anointed? He said, I've got some bad days dealing with some stuff up in my life. But he said, when that fresh anointing came, I began to flourish. I began to grow. Things begin to happen. Amen. How many know the anointing can do that for you in your life? Amen. The spirit of God, the anointing of God that comes upon your life can transform you and cause you to be able to see your dreams and your desires fulfilled in your life. Here in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul goes back to the city of Jerusalem. He finds John to confirm what he had received. He receives this revelation and he wants to confirm that this is something that lines up with what Jesus had taught them. And so he goes back and he confirms with John 
uh, and Peter that this is, in fact, in a line with what Jesus had taught while he was on the earth. And then we see this Paul that begins to receive this revelation of Christ, that he begins to uh, not only speak, but also to write. And now we know that he has written some two-thirds of the New Testament. This heathen, this man that was anti-church, anti-Jesus, has now got a revelation of the Christ, and he is being uh, begins to write that down so that others can better understand who he is. And so Paul had more revelation from God concerning the believer than any other writer in the New Testament. As we look at our text here, we see that Paul was saying, I have been made to know the mystery of Christ. A lot of times this is overlooked here, what Paul is speaking about and what he is saying. The word Christ is very important in this context because it, as it is written here, it is trying to tell the believer that this power that he found was in Christ. Amen. And Christ was more than just a name. Yes, there is power in the name, right? Because he said that, that God highly exalted him and gave him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that he is Christ the Lord, the glory of God to the Father, right? And so there is power in the name of Jesus, but there is something even deeper than just the name. But this name of Christ is Jesus' holy position, amen? It is his holy position. Christ comes from the Greek word uh, that means the anointed one with direct implication to the anointing that is upon the anointed one. And so in the Greek word, Christ is equivalent to the Messiah. And so the Old Testament, which means the anointed one with direct implication to the one being anoint, that anointed him, we see that the Old Testament prophets were telling about the anointing that would come. Amen. And someone would step up and take on the role of the Messiah, the Redeemer, and, and people of God would be set free from their sins. Now, we see that this is uh, true. And when Paul was uh, trying to get the church to see this, uh, God had revealed to him the mystery of Christ. That is, we now have a revelation of Christ, the anointed one. And we understand that it is the anointing that caused his position to be one of authority, right? All right, three scholars in this here house tonight. Amen. It is that position of Christ, but he is the anointed one that causes him to operate. And, and Paul gets this revelation this word anointed means to rub, it means to smear, it means to paint on. It comes from the Greek word charisma, meaning something has been placed on you to the point that it's been rubbed and smeared on you. It has been painted until you are covered in it. It isn't just a little dabble, do you? Right? It is a covering of the anointing. 
And we need to qualify what this because people don't know what they're anointed with. Uh, you know, you must understand what you're being anointed with and, and it has to be the right anointing for the right job. I mean, you, you might just be anointed with ugly and it ain't going to do you any good. Right? Yeah. All right, you might as well loosen up. Duck Dynasty don't come on till 1030, all right? I got plenty of time right up in here. All right, now let's get with it. All right. <laughs> you, you can be anointed with a lot of things, have this smeared all over you, but that, that doesn't mean that, that it is good for the task. But it is the anointing that comes from God that when we are painted with it, when we are covered, when it is rubbed in, Amen. That we understand that it is good for the task in which we have at hand. And so let's look at how God sets up this anointing in the Old Testament to make a way for the anointed one to step onto the scene. We see that in Scripture there are uh, three offices which a God anoints a person for. The first office is that of prophet. He receives God's anointed oil in 1 Kings chapter 19. When Elijah was, uh, he let his anointing touch Elisha and he called him out from the field where he was plowing and he began to walk with him and he took the place of this other prophet and the reason that they knew that he would take his place is because the transfer of the anointing that took place, right? Okay. Now, number two, the office of priest received the anointing of God. In Exodus chapter 29, the priests were brought before the people and uh, publicly they were anointed with oil. And it filled the, the, as they filled that position, they were anointed as a priest. The office of a king in the Old Testament, before a man could become king, he was anointed to be the king. And God is setting it up for this office of a prophet, a priest, and a king to be revealed in the New Testament, which would not be three separate people, but would be one, and that would be Christ, Jesus Christ, amen, that would operate in the role of the prophet, the priest, and the king. And because of the anointing that would come upon him, he would rule in all three of those areas. And so they were anointed with a particular uh, elements that, you know, these different oils. Have you ever uh, taken the Old Testament uh, oil and, and, and tried to make some of that stuff? I was preaching uh, whenever I was at Bethesda. I was preaching on the anointing and I preached on it for, I don't know, six, eight, ten weeks. I don't know. But uh, I talked about the anointing oil, how that the different... Uh, things had to be the cassia and the sweet uh, cinnamon and, and the, all of these things. And so uh, one of the guys there at the church, they went and they dug up and ordered stuff off the internet. They got all the different ingredients and, and they put that stuff together. And uh, you would think that it would smell something beautiful. I'm telling you, it don't. It don't smell, it ain't, it ain't nothing you want to put on like, you know, Chanel number no. five or anything like that. Uh, but you know you got it on when you, <laughs> when you got it. And, and that's what took place whenever they, they anointed them to be the prophet, the priest, or the king. They didn't just take a little 
oil and tap on their forehead and say, you're anointed. But they took this six quarts of olive oil and, and blended it together with all of these other fragrances that produced a smell that once you were anointed, everyone knew you were anointed for that task. Everyone knew that you were anointed to be either a prophet, a priest, or a king because of the aroma, because of the fragrance of the anointing oil. The oil in the Old Testament always represents the Holy Ghost. So the Old Testament is telling us that there is one that is coming that would anoint us to be, to walk in this gift of the prophet, the priest, and the king would be called the Messiah, right? that he would be called the Messiah. When Jesus was born, we see that God chose him to be the Messiah. He had a purpose for being anointed. He had a purpose for being planted into the earth. Amen. The firstborn among many brethren, he was called uh, by his name and he was had a role that he was to fulfill, a position, and that was the Christ, right? The anointed one. And with God's anointing on him, uh, and for almost 30 years, he would work here in the earth, and he would work in public ministry. He would go into the office of the Messiah. He would fulfill his position as Christ the anointed one. And the first thing he does is go down to the water, amen, and John would be there baptizing. And he tells John, John, I want you to baptize me. And John gets to arguing with him and saying, I need to be baptized of you. And Jesus said, this ain't about you and ain't ain't all about me. It's about those who will follow me that they will know, amen, that there is something going on here more than just taking a bath, but there is a spiritual principle that is taking place where where people will not have to follow me into a a regular grave, but this will be a liquid grave that when they go down, they will die out to sin. When they rise, they'll rise in a newness of life and they will follow me, right? And there's all kinds of typology. You can preach a month on that, but just in a nutshell, he's telling John, this has got to be done. Why? So that scripture will be fulfilled, right? And so he continues on. But something, excuse me, something else happens there. When he went down into the water and when he came back up, the, the scripture says that the heavens opened and the Holy Ghost came down in the form of a dove, right? And, and, and shut up on, uh, 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 hovered there And he said, this is my beloved son and whom I am well pleased. Amen. This is the office of prophet, priest, and king. This is the Messiah, the anointed son of God. This is the one in whom I am well pleased. He has fulfilled the role of the prophet, the priest, and the king. He has fulfilled the role of the Messiah. He is the anointed one, and I am well pleased with him. Man, there isn't nothing like daddy telling you he's pleased with you. Amen. And, and whenever Father God got to, you know, just busted the buttons off of his vest and he spoke out in, and into the heavens and the earth would hear it. And he said, this is my son. He's the anointed one. He's the prophet. He's the priest. He's the king. He's the Messiah. And he's good at it. Right? He was happy with him. Now, he begins to proclaim him that this himself 
that the anointing that came upon him led him to the wilderness for 40 days and there he was tempted. There he was tried. There he was tested because of the anointing that was on his life. Now, make no mistake about it. The anointing will attract the enemy to you. Amen. People say, well, I'm anointed and, you know, I don't, I shouldn't have these problems if God was for me. I'm telling you, the anointing will attract the enemy. It did to Jesus and we're no different, right? And so when the anointing, when the Spirit of God is upon us, it will attract the enemy. But the good news is the Holy Ghost that is in us is greater than the enemy that has come against us. And so we go and, and he, uh, <clears throat> when and, and the Bible said that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he begins to proclaim this, and he announces it uh, publicly as Jesus begins to look into Isaiah and finds himself there in the Scripture and says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty them that are bruised, amen, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And the Bible said that he closed the book and he sat down. Why? Because he said, this day the scripture has been fulfilled within your ears. Amen. And when he started doing many great things, the people would ask, could, how could he do these things? Some said he was of the devil. Some said he was this. And some said he was of that. Amen. But Acts 10 and 38 said how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Amen. There is no question mark. There is no wondering about it. We see here how Jesus did everything he did while he was here. He was anointed of the Holy Ghost. He was anointed of the Holy Ghost so that he could heal the sick, so he could set the oppressed free, so he could heal the brokenhearted. And that anointing of the Spirit of God that rested upon his life enabled him to do everything he did. He never did one single miracle on the earth because he was the Son of God. He did every single miracle that he did on the earth because he was anointed of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so the Holy Ghost is important. The Holy Spirit is important within our lives. And we need that anointing. Jesus stepped up to be the anointed one with God's anointing on him to do the works of the kingdom of God. And when you look at what Jesus did, you must come to the conclusion that there had to be a supernatural power that was at work in his life. Amen. That's what the anointing will do for you. The Holy Ghost will cause you to be able to do something supernatural that you cannot do in your natural. It will cause that which you are enabled and qualified and inadequate to do or to accomplish. But with the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon your life, nothing is impossible to you. Amen. And so... His super 
It's placed upon our natural. It's painted on us. We're not, we don't just a little dab, but it's painted on us. It's rubbed in. It's, it's emerged into our, our being. And he paints us with it. He covers us with it. And it empowers us to do the supernatural. Amen. Jesus goes to the cross and fulfills the role of the Messiah. He dies, but listen. He doesn't die there and, and say that the, the, the party's over. He, te- he tells the, this message to his disciples. He said, go into Jerusalem and you tarry there until you be endued or clothed or en- engulfed in the power from on high. Amen. What was he talking about? He was talking about the anointing. He was talking about, he was telling them, you're going to receive the same thing. You're going to be baptized with what I was baptized with back there in the River Jordan. Amen. The anointing is going to come upon you and you're going to be able to do great things. He said, don't go out there and do the things that you've been called to do and try to do them without the anointing. We need the anointing of God to do the job that God has called us to do. Amen. So he went to the city of Jerusalem. They waited and God comes down. And when he comes down, he comes and he smears it on them. He rubs it in. He paints them with it. Amen. Until they leave there as drunken people. And when they leave, they know that they have the power from on high. They have something more than they came there with. They came in, amen, looking for help, but they left there knowing the help had come. They knew that they have the power that they did not have prior to this event. And what took place in their lives was something that was beyond what man could do. It was something that was supernatural that now empowered them that they began to believe that they could raise the dead. They began to believe that they could heal the sick. They began to believe that they could preach the message with authority and with clarity and people would respond to the gospel. You see, before this time, there was a few people that would come to Jesus. There would be a few people that would come out of their belief system and they would accept Jesus but after they was received this anointing upon their life amen Peter would go out there you remember old Peter right hot-headed Peter, Peter that talked before he thought, but he went out there and preached a little message, some 56 words. He spoke that day and 3,000 people were saved. Why? Because there was something that came upon him. He he got painted in. He, he got emerged in. He, he got clothed with. It was the anointing. I tell you today that it's the anointing that will still make the difference. Thank God for great orators. I believe you are to study. You ought to prepare yourself. You should be a tried to speak the best that you can. Get all the understanding and knowledge that you can. If you're going to sing, you ought to try to practice. Amen. Don't blame it on the devil if you can't sing. My God, he gets enough credit. Just practice before you try to sing, right? Amen. If you want to play an instrument, try to play it to your very best. Gifted and talented. Study. Do whatever you need to do. But at the end of the day, when you've got everything that you can 
understand humanly possible, it still requires the anointing of the Holy Ghost that will destroy yokes and remove burdens and will set the captive free. You may not, you may mess up in your speech, but if you're anointed, it'll still set the captive free. Amen. You may mess up in your song, but if you're anointed, God will still get the message across and people will hear it and be delivered by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the anointing that we must be covered with in our lives. Amen. He said, don't go out there without the anointing. What was the last thing Jesus said before he went back to the Father? He said, John, baptize me with water. But not long from now, I will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Amen. He was telling them that you must receive this anointing so that you may be able to do what I've called you to do. Programs are needed. Plans must take place. Amen. Without that, it's just going to be chaos and confusion. But when you put the plan and you put the program together and then God puts his anointing upon it, great things start happening, not only in our lives, but those around us. Amen. And the captives start being free by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. He tells them you must receive this power in order to be able to produce what I have asked you to produce. But if you get the vision that God has spoken and get the anointing and the vision that God has declared over our lives, then we take his super and put upon our natural. The supernatural begins to happen in the church. Amen. We, we think sometimes that the preacher ought to be anointed and the preacher should. But I, I submit to you, everything in the house should be anointed. Amen. We need anointed ushers. We need anointed greeters. We need anointed uh, attendants in the parking lot. We need anointed sound. We need anointed musicians. We need anointed worship leaders. We need anointed people. We need anointed intercessors. Come on. We need everything in the house should be anointed and saturated with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And when we do, things are going to happen in the body of Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. Most people think, well, it's up to the pastor. Well, yes, you ought to study. You ought to prepare. It is up to me to be anointed, but everything in the house should be anointed. Amen. Let us understand something. Just because you get a chill bump doesn't mean you're anointed. If that was the case, all we had to do is turn the furnace off. Amen. I've had people, you know, if you haven't noticed yet, uh, after four years of me being your pastor, I, I, I don't perspire, I sweat. All right? And, and I've had people come up to me and they, they'd say, oh, I knew you was anointed. I seen you sweating. I said, yeah, I did that yesterday digging a post hole too. But I didn't feel God up in that. Come on. Right? People get some weird ideas about the anointing. They get some weird concepts about what the anointing is, you know. 
People, people don't understand that the anointing can come, and especially in Pentecostal circles, we're, 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 if we aren't careful, we think that God hasn't showed up or the anointing hasn't showed up if we're not hanging from the chandeliers. If it ain't going 100 miles an hour. But I'm telling you, some of the strongest anointing I've ever been in was in the midst of silence. Amen. It is true. Amen. And, and that anointing, when it begins to be rubbed in and it begins to be smeared upon you and it begins to be rubbed into every fiber of your being, it begins to transform and begins to change. And, and I'm not against, you know, hucking and bucking and falling in the floor. And that's just the, that's just the secondary consequence of experiencing God. That's not the anointing. Amen. But that's, that's just the second consequence of, of you experiencing His presence. And when you experience Him, you know, sometimes you can't stand. Sometimes it makes you shout. Sometimes you want to rejoice and so help yourself. But you see, it's that anointing that, that comes through His Word. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that comes and touches us and begins to transform us and change us. If you are a child of God and... and and know that you have that relationship with God and He is your Father and you are His Son, then God has now connected you with this ministry of reconciliation that brought you back into the fellowship with Him. And He did that on purpose and for a reason. And that is not so you could just hold the fort till He comes. He did that so He could release the power of heaven into the earth through you and through me and let this world know that He is still a God of power and a God of authority. Amen. And so I don't know about you, but I need His anointing. Without the anointing, it's just a nice song. Without the anointing, it's just a good, good motivational speech. Amen. It's good music. But whenever somebody starts to sing under the anointing, when somebody begins to prophesy under the anointing, when somebody begins to worship God under the anointing, the anointing has come and changes everything. Amen. Hallelujah. I wish I had two or three people knew what I was talking about tonight. I said, we need more anointing. What do you think would happen when everything in the house was anointed? When the singers start singing under the anointing and playing under the anointing. The Bible says, talks about prophesying on the instruments. Amen. Got three people know. You need to ride, read your Bible, baby. <laughs> Prophesy on those instruments. Prophesy on the organ and the harp and the stringed instruments. There, there is something that it isn't just about good music, but it, it stirs up the gift. It stirs up the anointing. You remember whenever the, the man came to Elijah, they had made a mistake. They had misjudged and they was in a famine. They was in a desert. They went to war and they run, run out of all their food and everything. And, and they come to the man that said, is there not a man of God in this area? They go to Elijah and Elijah looks at him and says, if it were not for Judah, I wouldn't even give you the time of day. Right? And I know my time's about gone tonight, but it tells me that if you're in a famine, you need some praise. 
Amen. If you're in a time of drought and you want to get God's attention, just begin to praise him. Begin to worship him. Amen. And and something will begin to happen. Elijah said, if it were not for praise being with you, I wouldn't even give you the time of day. But because praise is here, I'm going to do a thing. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, it it may be that the enemy is raging against you and it feels as though that you're in a drought season of your life. But if you'll begin to praise God, what did he promise? He said, I'll inhabit your praise. Amen. We talked about this the other week. He'll ambush our enemy. Glory to God. When we begin to praise him, something will begin to happen. So when that anointing comes and, and we begin to sing and begin to praise, he told him, he said, bring me a minstrel. Right? Bring me somebody to play. Why? Because it stirred up the gifts of the Spirit. That's what music, that's how powerful worship is. That's how powerful music is. When it's anointed, it'll stir up the gifts of the Spirit. Amen? And when they brought the, the musician and he began to play, it was then that the word of the Lord would come to them. Hallelujah. And so I just want to say to you tonight that if you're in that place, just begin to praise God. Begin to worship Him. Stir up that gift of God that is in your life and know that God will speak. Amen? Hallelujah. He, he t- tells us that and, he's, and He shows us this picture and says that as they begin to worship Him, something began to happen. It stirred up the gifts of God. Now, worship is more than just singing a song. You can sing a song all day long, but how do you know if it's worship? Does the atmosphere change? Does the anointing flow? Because if the atmosphere isn't changing and the anointing isn't flowing, then we're not worshiping. And we are guilty, my brothers and sisters. I'm pastor, so I can say a thing, right? We are guilty of coming to church and never worshiping. All we got, we've sang some songs, but we've never entered into worship. And as a result, we haven't received what we needed, and then we went and blamed God on it. Hallelujah. So what I'm saying is we need this anointing. How is the anointing? I don't don't have time to go into it, maybe next week. But the anointing, people act like the anointing fell out of a tree. But I can prove to you through the scripture that the anointing must be created. Somebody has to make it. Amen. Now, the apothecary went and he would gather together all the spices, but the apothecary had to make the anointing. And I want to say that the anointing doesn't just fall out of a tree, but the anointing is created. As we begin to worship and we begin to praise God, it creates an atmosphere and it begins to create aroma in the presence of God that causes there to be a conduciveness for the presence, the anointing, the gifts of the Spirit to begin to flow in our lives. And so the reason why the church has been void of the gifts of the Spirit is because the atmosphere has not been created for the manifestation of the grace and the power of God. Amen. And so we've got to come to a place where that we flow in the anointing. Amen. Could you imagine if we came in here and everything we did is anointing? Parking lot, attendance anointed. (laughs) 
ushers anointed, greeters anointed, ministry teams anointed. Huh? And the anointing just covered this place. When they began to sing, the anointing to go through this sound system, and hell would begin to run out the door, and oppression would fall off of people's lives. That anointing would destroy the yoke and remove the burden and would set the captive free. Glory to God. Amen. That's what we need, my brothers and sisters. Amen. <laughs> we don't need a Dr. Phil. Amen. We don't need Oprah, Guru Oprah. We need the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to so filtrate this place that when the lost come in, they leave here knowing they've had to get a Savior in their life. Amen. When the oppressed come in, the chains begin to fall off and the yokes begin to be removed because they've walked into an anointed place. Not because of pastor, but because we understand when the anointing flows, it destroys yokes and removes burdens for real. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I'm almost done. You realize the same anointing that kicked the devil out of heaven is the same anointing that's been made available to you and I. The same anointing, the same Holy Spirit that kicked him out. And Isaiah said he fell as a great star from heaven and he was found in, in heaven no longer. That same anointing's on you and I to kick the devil out of our life. And yet we talk about testifying about, you know, the devil's been hanging around my house. You're telling on yourself. Amen. I mean, I've had a bad day before myself. Come on, can we be real? But I only give myself two bad days in a row. And then I'm going to kick myself in the butt and say, get up out of here. This is enough. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. You, you got better than this. Come on, somebody. Amen. God is greater to you than this. Amen. And just push on that anointing and tell the devil where he can get off because God has given us something that's great. We don't have to walk around like a bunch of whip pups. We don't have to walk around in this world acting like we don't have no hope. My God, he sent the power of the Holy Spirit into our lives so that we could stand flat-footed in the face of our adversary and laugh at him and say, greater is he that is in me than the world that has come against me. No weapon you formed against me shall prosper. I am victorious and made victorious by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. I have the victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Whenever you begin to walk in the anointing and flow in His Spirit, the enemy's not going to stay at your house. Amen. Don't entertain him and he won't stay. I don't have time for no tear in my beer. 
I'm sorry, that's probably the last country song I ever knew. <laughs> Didn't know much of it. <laughs> but I do know how to worship God. I knew how to bless his name. Now, I'm not up on all these new songs. Some of them, I don't even know them all, and I don't know the names of them. I just know courses, or I know some, and sometimes I just get in a place, and I have to make something up, but I, I ain't singing. It's dark as a dungeon, and the sun seldom shines, and I wonder, my God, where are you? And and you left me here in this trial, and I just hope I can make it out. No, I'm not going to live there. I'm going to bless the Lord at all times, and his praise will be in my mouth. And I'll give him the praise, give him the glory, and I will believe him to show up with the anointing and destroy this yoke and remove this burden from my life. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Well, God's awesome, isn't he? Hallelujah. He has equipped us with everything we need to be victorious in this present world. Amen. So many people are wanting, waiting to go to heaven. Brother and sister, I look forward to going to heaven, but I'm not going to get, I refuse to go through this life drug through a knot hole backwards. If I was only looking forward to heaven, Jesus would have never had to come. Huh? But he came to this earth so that I could have victory in this present world. And if Jesus paid that kind of price so that the Holy Spirit could come and dwell with me, then I just believe I ought to accept it, receive it, and just be covered with it in my life. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, it's better than you're letting on tonight. I can tell you that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Will you please?